Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. I'm not the one delivering the message today. Uh, we actually are in the middle of a summer series where we have eight different speakers. I think today's number six. And I'm really excited about it. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth, who's up here on the front row. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God. We want to help people find freedom. Mm, people need that right now. We want to help people discover purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you way before you were even born. And it's a journey, y'all. We don't get there overnight. We don't get there by ourselves either. We need each other along that journey. So if you ever wondered, why do we meet every Sunday? That's why we meet, so we can build these relationships. Why do we have small groups? That's why we have small groups, because we need to build these relationships. And the goal we're reaching for, where is it found? In Ephesians 3.20, which says, all glory to God, because he's able through his power working in us. Who wants his power working in you? Yeah? To accomplish what? Infinitely more than we could even ask or think. Like even your wildest dream couldn't compare to what God wants to accomplish through your life. So that's what we're reaching for. That's the goal we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at whoever you're with right now and say, it's time to take the limits off. Take them off. Just take them off. Well, like I said, I'm not the one delivering the message today. It's actually one of our small group leaders, Simon Ratcliffe. Simon and his wife, Tara, they have two beautiful kiddos, Remy and Hadassah. They're awesome kiddos. And the Ratcliffe family became a part of the No Limits family at the beginning of this year. So awesome. He's been in ministry since he was just like a young guy. Like he's, he started in ministry even younger than I did. His story is pretty incredible. And you're about to find out that there's a calling on his life to preach the word of God. Oh, don't even look like that, man. You're about to bring the fire. So Simon, go ahead and walk on up here while I pray over the message today. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lord, for the message that you put on Simon's heart. We thank you that you're leading him and that this word is coming from you, flowing through Simon. God, we just, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's going to be good stuff. Bless you, my brother. Thanks for the opportunity. Love you, man. Love you. Amen. I got my timer. 25 minutes. This will be the shortest message I ever preached in my life. But it starts now. All right, like I said, many of y'all haven't got to, to see me, hear me, like me, not like me. But today is your opportunity. All right, you get to either like me or hate me, but I'm going to deliver a word that the Lord gave me months ago in the midst of COVID, and it's been burning a hole in my pocket for a long time, so here we go. Really, what is that? Seven minutes, 24 I don't know what that is. That's not the stopwatch. All right, we're starting over. All right, so... I'm a mover, so you're going to have to, I don't know, widen that thing out real wide because I like to eat. <laughs> but there's a word that's been burning in me, and it's simply some, there's three little letters, three, three little letters. There's a lot of letters. It's just a little bit of words. Don't be lame, all right? Um, something that's going to stick with you, and there's another part. It's about getting in the game. It comes later. This is a two-part message, so we're going to be here all day. <laughs> but if you've got time with me, go to the book of Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. That is where we'll start, and I'll try to keep this short and simple. I've got 25 minutes to deliver about five or six months of Word, so it's been a year since I've done this from behind a pulpit or a mic stand or a music stand, but here we go. Beginning in verse 1, chapter 3, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, 
And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. In case you're wondering, I'm reading from the King James. That's where there's all these weird words. But in Peter and Peter said this after he gave heed unto them. The lame man gave heed. He listened. He locked eyes, expecting to receive something of him. Man, that'll preach. But I got to stop and keep on going. So anyway, so be expecting this morning, and God will move mightily and do his part. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, right? Don't be lame. Get in the game. He says, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately, say immediately, these words are important, instantaneously, immediately, miraculously, his ankle bones received strength and he stood And it says, leaping up and stood and walked in verse 8 and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people, man, I'm about to get beside myself, but all the people saw him walking and praising God and they knew that it was he which sat for arms. They knew that it was him that was at the gate beautiful every single day, three times a day, for more than six hours a day. Three, six, nine hours was spent at that gate, and the church walked by. Woo! All right. Rick Flair it sometimes. Woo! Ma'am. Woo! All right. <laughs> Devil going to get mad today. And they knew that it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate and the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And we've got to pray one more time. Our kind and most gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I come, Lord, I know it's a short time, Lord, to deliver such an awesome word, Lord, but I ask, Lord, that you would take hold of the reins of my heart and the strings of my heart and begin to pluck and make that melody, Lord, that only you can, Lord, and that by your spirit, Lord, that, Lord, that you would take those strings, Lord, but that you would also take the spotlight as I take the stage. Lord, and I ask, Lord, that you would minister mightily to everyone in the house, Lord, that every sickness would take heed and not serve notice to the devil of the, and the enemy of God, Lord, that we are a victorious and a triumphant people, Lord, that your name is there's another, no other name given among men whereby we might be saved, Lord, that we might be sealed, set free, delivered, healed, Lord, and everything and in between. And it's in Jesus' name that I come and ask, amen and amen. Woo, all right. Calm down, Simon. I'm about to lose my breath. All right. There's certain things that begin to take happen at this time. I want you to understand that Acts chapter 2, verse 8, it already took place. This one is specifically in chronological order from chapter 2 to chapter 3. Thousands of souls had been added to the kingdom of God after the giving of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, the Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind, filled the room where they were all sitting. The the Scripture says, and history tells us in other books other than the Bible, which I usually don't go to those very often, but in other books, in other history books, it tells us that there was over 120 people that were gathered in the upper room. So I just want to make this clear. It sat on each of them. I'm going to back up so I don't spit on Brother Tim. (laughs) 
that there was over 120 and the, the Holy Ghost set on each of them and they spake in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to prophesy in part and they began to worship and be excited. What this man experienced at the gate beautiful, they experienced in the upper room. They knew who God was. They knew the power of God. They knew the salvation of their God. They were anchored and settled. Now, if they were devout Jews, they went three times a day to the temple to pray for one hour. The third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. Right? So at the ninth hour, this is at 3 o'clock. I believe it is. If you count it up, 6 a.m. starts the the day. Some of y'all don't know anything about that. (laughs) You've been sleeping until noon. You've been sleeping. It's time to wake up. No, I'm just kidding. told you you ain't going to like me. It's all right. But they began to understand something and experience something, and they possessed something, but over 50% of them probably didn't really understand what they had. Because I'm going to give you a little bit of math, and nobody likes math except for me. But let's just say that only one devout Jew went to church every single day. This man is over 40 years old. Acts chapter 4, verse 22. Look it up yourself. The Scripture says above 40 years old. That could be 48, could be 49. But just to tickle my fancy, let's say 40. So in one year's time, if one Jew passed by him, he was passed by the church 43,800 times. If he was 45, 49,275 Jews passed by him. If he was 48, 52,560. Now, Solomon's porch was known to be somewhere roughly around 800 foot long. Some scholars say 600, but you know, I wasn't there. So let's just say between 600 and 800. Let's just say that I take up probably four square feet whenever I stand. So let's just say 400 Jews devout daily went to Solomon's porch. So if 400 people passed by him on a daily basis, that would be in one year's time, 21,900,000 people at the age of 40. Now, how many people have you walked by? Uh-oh. 45, 24,637,500 people. If he was 48, 26,280,000 times the church walked by. Let's just say 500 following the day of Pentecost decided to go to church, which would have been a really good idea, right, to worship and to pray. But let's just say 500 Jews did. That means 1,000 times this man was passed by. Believers having the power of God residing in them. All they had to do was speak, and that man would have leaped and went with them to church. But it took a man that was messed up, marred, had denied Christ three times before the cock crowed. Y'all heard that the other day, right? A couple weeks ago. They delivered something, although he requested something that they didn't possess. What they had was good enough. And I'm here to tell you today, you might as well serve notice to the devil that what you got is good enough. If you're a child of the Most High God, what you have is good enough. And those by radio or whatever this thing is back here, I'm way too old for this stuff. 
But whatever that is, back there, that TV, by podcast, by YouTube, by Facebook, I want you to understand something, that we're not in a time where we're supposed to be lame. We're supposed to be water walkers and faith talkers. We're supposed to be Bible-thumping, Bible-believing, pew-walking, devil-stomping, believers and saints of the Most High God. And we don't have time to be playing no games with the devil. We don't have time to be dancing around with the enemy or the thoughts and the imaginations of the heart or the mind. But we must be rooted and settled and grounded. I can't do that. That's not solid. In the word of an almighty God. I'm used to them big old hard ones, you know. Uh, That's all right. So we don't know what time it is. My phone flipped over. Let's keep it that way. (laughs) Brother, I forgot to give you a, a, a scripture, and that's probably because the Holy Spirit just told me to say it. But in John chapter 16, verse 23, I want you to pull that up. John 16, 23. You're going to have to work with my country twang here. John chapter 16 in verse 23. We have been given the power of attorney in Jesus Christ. You need to understand this. He is our advocate, but he also rendered unto us the keys to the kingdom of heaven and of hell. And it's time to make war on the enemy. And it says this right here. And in that day, you will ask of me nothing. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. When that day comes, what day? Acts chapter 2. Get with it. Come on. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. But most assuredly, I say to you that whatsoever that you ask of my Father in my name, that I will do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of... Okay. That's way too old for some of y'all. Satan has to flee, right? At the name of Jesus Christ. Not what you do, but what you speak. And from where you speak it from. You see, I don't speak of myself today. I am nothing. I am filthy rags. I am a ball of dung. As as, uh, the Apostle Paul said, I am a man of unclean lips. Behold, when God takes a hold of the reins of your heart and your mind, and it gets rooted and settled in an almighty word, you can speak to mountains and they crumble. It doesn't matter what's going on in your body. It doesn't matter what's going on in your mind. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what you're facing. God is still God. And God don't ever change. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The only thing that will endure all time is the word of an almighty God. And you've got to get it on the inside of you because I believe there's coming a time when that word's going to be stripped from the face of this world. That it's going to be illegal to possess just like it is in China. But let me serve notice to the devil. Thy word, O God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We serve an awesome God. His will is to bring us to a place of understanding, a place of knowledge, to make the mystery of the gospel known to you and to a lost and dying world. But let me just get to my point since I haven't got there yet. There are five experiences that this lame man felt for the first time. One was something that you never had to face. Many of you, there's people on live right now. I don't see a single wheelchair in the house or a set of crutches. That's good because otherwise we're going to have to get rid of them today. But just let me make something clear that I have never experienced lameness. There was one time in my life whenever I got sick and I couldn't walk, couldn't put pressure on my feet, couldn't move without getting sick and nauseous, but God raised me up. And that's where it's going to leave that right there. There was a lot of things happening in my life. There was a lot of things going on and I became crippled. And to be honest, it's probably a lot of my mind. That's where the battle starts. You need to get this. 
You have been given the power of attorney. It's no longer there, but you've been given the power of attorney to speak to that mountain that it be removed and crumble into the sea, and it shall be done. That's what God said. That's what Jesus said. If he speaks, the Father speaks, right? He's dead serious about what he wants for you. There's five things that he experienced. He didn't have to learn this like we did. He didn't go from crawling to walking. He literally stood up for the first time in his life. He stood up by himself. This is important. After Peter raised him up, the man was on his own two feet. Never have done it in his life. Over 40 years old, never taking one step, never able to move and wiggle his toes, never able to have anything other than the fact that he was able to sit there and beg, and I ain't got time to go into the Old Testament and even into the New and tell, yes, I do, because I'm here to tell you that God wants you to see something. He was not allowed in church. He was cursed according to the law. He was cursed according to the church. If you will, he was not fit. A matter of fact, he had never touched a preacher in his life. You want to know why? Because he was considered cursed. If the preacher touched him, he would be defiled. But thanks be unto God for a man named Peter and a man named John that walked together in agreement and they said, no, no way, not today. And they gave him something that he needed. He was there expecting to receive money and offerings because that's what they were supposed to do at the hour of prayer, to go up and to offer offerings to the poor and the needy and offerings unto God and offer prayer for the nation and for themselves. But he stood by himself. He walked by himself, number two. Number three, he leaped and jumped like a child. Number four, you, you, know, you ain't seen no leaping and jumping until you got grandkids. I ain't got them, but I got kids. And I got one of the greatest leapers and jumpers. Both of them are leapers and jumpers. They jump off everything. It make me so sick. It physically hurts my body to see them get on a chair and jump and hit the ground solid. It hurts me. My knees start hurting like instantly. It's a jar, and I don't understand it, but it's how it's always been. You ask my wife, I'm always complaining about them jumping because it hurts me physically, and I ain't even joking about it. It's really weird, but anyway, you can convict me or whatever later and put me in a jacket. It'll be all right. But they leaped and jumped. He leaped and he jumped. He's praising God in, this is important, in the temple. It didn't matter what was going on outside. During this time, it's what happened inside that mattered. Right, but God changed that on the day of Pentecost. And it had to be a little bit upset. And so thank God for this man that's been sitting there for 40-something years. Because he taught us a lesson. And then number five, he held on to the preachers. If you look at verse 11, it says that he took hold. The Greek for that, I wrote it down, I'll just tell you. The Greek for that is holoclea. It's the, no, it ain't. That ain't the one. <laughs> it's Criteo. It says that to lay hold or to possess. Now, this is very symbolic because what he did, he, he, he possessed his expectation. Do y'all get that? That he laid hold of what was being offered to him. You see, no matter how much preaching goes on in the house, no matter how much word that you consume, you still have to receive what God is offering. It's not up to the preacher. He can sow all the seed he wants to, and we'll get to that in a minute in Genesis chapter 15. That's right. We're going way back. But he tells us in, in this passage in verse 11 that, that the lame man took hold of Peter on the porch, and John, and he stood there. 
And all these people began to come. If you read the rest of the chapter, you're going to find out that they were like, is this not the lame man that sat at the gate called Beautiful all the way up to 422? It says that, amen, is this not the man that we have walked by and we have seen daily on the daily? Is he not cursed? Is he not the one that has sat there? Is he not the one that we pass? He looks like him. He acts like him. The only difference is, is he's standing on them two feet. What's up? And they said, man, why marvel you at this? Because God said it's as simple as that. When God tells you to do something, you do it. Man, I like that with my kids. You see that hand? It's called a knife hand. In the army, they get it in your face daily. Mm. My daughter even does it now. That's a good hand. But I want you to understand something. You have, cannot be dancing around and playing around with the enemy. You have got to stand on your most holy faith. Scripture commands us to do that, to lay hold of eternal life, to not let go, to set your hands to the plow, not looking back, to continue to go forward, to continue to speak the word of God. Instant in season and out, Paul urged Timothy, his son in the Lord. He said, man, you have got to be anchored. He said, don't forget your teachings from your mother Eunice. He said, don't forget all of these things that I have done for you. Don't forget this. Don't stand back. Don't waver. Hold, hold your ground. Everybody else can deny. Everybody else can run. Everybody else can quit. But I have called you to be a wall for my people, and it's time to make a stand. You see, oh, man, I can't even call it what it is because it would be way too offensive for a lot. But we cannot become lame. We cannot allow the enemy to take possession of our mind. We cannot allow the enemy to begin to dilute and pervert the word that is within us, that's shut up within our bones, as Jeremiah said, a consuming fire. It's got to come out. It's burning deep, and it's time to let the flame and continue to fan. Man, there needs to be some fanners. Y'all need to read the Old Testament. This stuff is good. We need some fanners in the house of God that's going around fanning like this morning around 1035 when people began to pray up here. There was just a fan going off. It's like a big turbine, and it can't be shut down because it's wind-driven, and the wind has already come into the room, and it's blowing on the people, and people are going to receive, whether you like it or not, there's people that's going to stand and make a stand for the saints of God, and it's time that we do that, that we be that wall, like David and the 400 mighty men in the cave of Abdullah. Man, I'm not going to get to where I'm going, but I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you. And I'm going to go ahead and prophesy to some dead, dying dreams, some lame dreams that have been crippled by circumstance, that God has placed a word on the inside of you and a gift on the inside of you. God has called you. God has equipped you. But yet something in your life has caused you to become lame, that dream to be lame and stricken with an illness, if you will, that it has not come to fruition or come to pass in the English version. But I'm here to prophesy to that dream and say, come alive in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper any longer, that sickness has got to leave out of your body. And let me tell you something. It's one thing to preach it, but it's another thing to live it when you're going through something or your loved one is stricken and sick, but you can stand on the word of God anchored and steadfast because my God has never failed. The psalmist David said that I have been young and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. It's not just for you. It's for your kids and your kids, 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 kids. Read Abraham's covenant. Some of y'all got children that are away off and God done gave you a plan for them, gave you a dream for them. God put them in your heart and in your mind, but the enemy can't stop what God wants to do. The only one who can give it up is you. And so be careful who you give it to. 
Be careful who you give it to. Don't become lame by circumstance. Don't become lame by situations. Don't become lame and, 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 and stricken with illness by the illness of the mind, if you will, or perverted of the word, but be anchored and steadfast, knowing sure well that the hope that is within you is going to come to pass. You see, faith is a pretty cool thing. It's a gift that has already been given to you in your heart enough to believe God. So I don't really know what we struggle with or why we begin to doubt and, and self-detonate, if you will, for lack of a better expression. We tend to defeat ourselves and we give credit to the enemy because the battlefield starts here. You have to learn to flip that switch and say, no, not today. Anybody in here old enough to have seen Over the Top? Sylvester Stallone, you know, he's driving the truck. Whoa. It's one of my favorite movies, man. I always thought I was tough until I tried to do that. Arm wrestling championship, and he goes and he tries to save me. I'm big on daddies trying to save their kids. I'm just, ooh. My dad abandoned me, but, man, my God never has, and I'm thankful for that. I have a daddy God that stood in his place, and I'm anchored in that. I have an understanding of my father. I have an understanding of who I am and whose I am and heirship and sonship and engrafted and adopted. I know it all. I've been through the legal process of all that. I understand who Jesus is. I understand who the Father is. But let me tell you, just like Sylvester Stallone, there's a moment in time when you got to flip that hat around and say, no way, no how, not today. I'm standing on my most holy faith. I know who I am and I'm going to win. I don't go in here defeated. I go victoriously through the blood of the lamb that was slain and by the word of my testimony. You have to make that kind of a stand. Man, I'm here to tell you that you may not believe it, but God has given everybody a warrior mindset and a warrior spirit. God has called us to fight the good fight of faith. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. Yeah, it's up there. I feel it. First Timothy six twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, in the midst of those witnesses, the enemy is there. You better believe it. He comes to church too. <laughs> Well, how can he do that? Well, he goes before the throne. That's why. He's an accuser of the brethren. He wants to bring you down from where God has seated you in heavenly places. If he can get you off of the heavenly place, then he's no longer under your feet. And y'all should have heard Coonrod pray today. That man, when he wakes up, he calls the devil to lick the bottom of his shoes. Man, that was good stuff, man. Got me pumped up back here. Woo! Love it. Sometimes you got to Ric Flair. That's what I told my wife I was going to say. I'm telling my age, woo, that's what you got to do. <laughs> Let the devil know we can laugh in the face of the enemy because we know whose we are. And if God is for me, who can be against me? If God stands with me, who can stand against me? You see, I have somebody at my rear. I don't know about y'all, but when I went running the other day, it's been about two weeks. <laughs> but uh, telling on myself. But I went running with my son, and we were running down the hill, and, man, he was running so stinking fast that day. Um, it's pretty neat. He was beating me, and I was like, this is not cool because I'm super competitive. And so I start speeding up, and I get right beside him, and all of a sudden this dog comes out of nowhere. And he's running. I mean, his, you know, he's got that dog thing going on. His butt's down, and his head's down, and he's snarling, and he's running. And it was great because um, he didn't see me. See, my son was on the inside between me and the dog. 
And he had tunnel vision, apparently, and he was focused on my son until I stopped and stepped behind my son. and quit. I said, stop, son. He came to a dead stop. I don't know how we stopped because normally, you know, if I try to stop like that, I begin to roll. Just, you know, forward momentum. You know, you got so much going forward, and I lean forward when I run. So uh, I figured I'd begin to tumble and roll, but, but I just went like that, and he went like that, and then I stepped back and I said, no. You should have seen that dog. His butt went plumb to the dirt, and he said, no. Ah! He turned around and went back about five feet and then turned around. Now, this is what I seen. I saw Satan. All you got to do as a child of God is know who stands with you. In the Old Testament, he says that he's the army at the rear, that God is the army at the rear. He, he never give us a plate in the back. He's given us a shield of faith, a breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, loins girded about with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But I'm here to tell you, he's given us the sword of the spirit. And he says, don't tuck tail, don't run. I got your back. Keep going. Some of y'all going to see this in a minute. It may be tomorrow, but you're going to see this. Daddy God is behind you saying, come on, devil. Just try to get through him. Try to get through him. Because, you know, see, he kind of is a high tower over us. And the righteous run in and they are safe. He's got your back. He's got your back. It's time to stop running and start leaping towards the enemy and praising God in the midst of it. You see David, the little man before Goliath, he said, no, no, not today. You can laugh at my God. You can laugh at me. You can call me a dumb dog. You can call my God a dog. But let me tell you who I am. I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And man, there's power in that because in Genesis chapter 15, you've got to read it for yourself. We ain't got no time. Y'all going to start playing that music before I'm ready. Oh. Oh, all right. All right. So here we're going to wrap this up. It's time to get in the game, right? Listen to me. You have dreams. God has given you vision. God has given you a passion and a burning for him. In your heart is enough to believe God. In Genesis chapter 15, real quick, y'all stay with me. This is where we're going to wrap it up and get into what is called a covenant. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen to me now. Abraham, an old man. Abram. That's how it started. With him and God, a sojourner in the land, wandering about. God comes down and visits him, and he says, look, I want you to get me a heifer, I want you to get me a lamb, and I want you to get me a goat. And find me a turtle dove, and find me a pigeon, man. I need it. We got something that's got to be done. Old Testament covenants were cut in blood. They were cut deep. He split, he says in, the, in, in um, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 9 that he talks about splitting the heifer. And before verse 9, it's like 7 or 6. He begins to split the heifer down the middle on the two parts, and they divided asunder, and he brought the two parts together. And so this is a picture and a type of what was to come through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he looks at Abraham from across the way, and he says, this is the covenant cut in my blood. The heifer, the lamb, and the goat. You got to get this. So as he's passing through making covenant, in the midst of transition, they're coming together, they meet in the middle through the blood, in the middle through the blood. The transferring of coats would take place. Y'all ain't seeing this, but the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is upon my back. It's upon my vesture, right? The righteousness of Christ is upon you as a child of God. And as this is going down, what begins to happen is these, these two, two prey of fowl, fowl of prey, these two birds of prey swoop down on a carcass, and Abraham says, no, not today. 
and he fans them and they fly off. Listen, there's a seed that has been sown in the house today and the enemy's going to come in and try to rob this. The fowl of the air will come to pick the seed, but it must fall down deep into the soil and die so that it can bring forth fruit. It may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but there's a seed that's been planted and it's going to come alive in you. And as that transference of power, if you will, took place, that covenant. What happened on, on in the hill called Golgotha is Jesus Christ became that lamb, that heifer, that goat, that scapegoat, if you will. The sin was upon him. Our sin was upon him. With every head bowed, you can cue the music or whatever you got to do back there. But don't be lame. It's time to get in the game. It's time to get into covenant with God. If you have never made a profession of faith, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, I want you to understand the covenant has been made and all you have to do is receive. If you dim the lights, somebody, whatever you do normally, you know, that thing. But if you're here joining with this on Facebook or podcast or YouTube or whatever else they may, may use, by whatever means, I want you to hear me out. That Jesus was that atoning sacrifice. And if you don't know him as your Lord and personal Savior, with every head bowed and every eye closed, it's as simple as receiving and believing and confessing. And I'm going to ask that you do that with me today. If you don't know him, it's simple. Get to know him. He desires you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he grafted you formed you, fashioned you, ordained you, called you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And in the book of Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 9, it says something simple, so simple, that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and with your mouth confess and believe in thine heart, then you shall be saved. It's a whosoever will. Call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're here and you need Jesus Christ in your life, you're sick and tired of lameness, you're sick and tired of the numbness, you're sick and tired of that pain, that, that, that feeling of apartness, if you will, that you've been cut off, then I want you to invite you into the family of God. And it's as simple as this. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again. And I believe that you love me. Lord, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart and I receive you and I receive you as my Lord and personal Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Blot them out. Remember them no more. Lord, and set me up on a right path for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to say this with me. I am saved. I am a child of God. I am an heir and a joint heir in all things pertaining to life, pertaining to health, pertaining to kingdom. I am a kingdom kid. Brother Cade. Amen. You got to wipe all that spit off. Yeah, good word, man. You'll have to give me some more juice. I don't talk as loud as him. Hey! 
Well, I, I want to share a scripture with you guys because this came to mind while he was preaching. And I shared it actually online not too long ago. Ephesians 4, chapter 11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, or the preachers and the teachers. If you've ever wondered what's the difference between a preacher and a teacher, Mr. Cade here is a teacher. Mr. Simon is a preacher. Mr. Tim is a teacher. My dad is a preacher. And it takes both gifts operating in the church for the church to find fullness. Let, let me keep reading. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll, we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Well, Cade, what's a new teaching? Individualism. Marxism. LGBTQ. Black Lives Matter. I'm just going to lay it all out there. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. All this stuff that's going on, those are new teachings. And people are being blown around by them because they're not fully equipped to do God's work. But here at No Limits, you're being fully equipped. So whenever you hear things like Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, and you're like, well, that doesn't really like fit with my... I, I love these people and I care about these people, but there's something that just doesn't fit in my, in my spirit. That's good stuff right there. God's just trying to raise you up and tell you and lead you into freedom. Was that too hard, too hard to hear? No? just want to set you all free. And dude, I'm so excited. About two weeks, I get to, to, to teach again. I've been off eight weeks, and man, I got, the Lord's already brewing in my heart. We're going to kick off with a series, and my first message back in August, I'm going to talk about Christian exclusion. It's going to be good. And then I'm going to talk about individualism the next week, and I'm going to keep going. And it's going to be good stuff, because the Lord's going to be free, bring freedom in this place. But Simon, thank you for that word. That's so good. Well, you guys... We, Will you three just come up here? I know Hadassah's in class, but I want to pray over these guys. Come on up, you three. Stand on up here in the front. Or you can come up on stage if you want to. Yeah. They have Little Miss, too, but she's over in the class, Hadassah, so we'll just agree this for her, too. But they've been a little bit hurt by the church in the past, and I just believe that today that's all broken, and, and they're walking into this new season of their life. You know, so God, we just thank you for your healing that's over this family. We thank you for the courage that you've put inside of Simon to, to do what you've called him to do, God. And we ask that his calling rise up to its fullness, to its completeness, to exactly what you've called it to do. And we pray the same thing over Tara, too, that, that she would rise up and do what she's been called to do. <laughs> There's healing taking place right now. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for your healing that washes over us. Thank you for your freedom and thank you for wholeness. And we thank you for their beautiful kids, Remy and Hadessa, and we thank you for the beautiful and amazing call that you have on their life. We just thank you for this whole family, and we ask that you just pour a tremendous blessing over them, a financial blessing, a, a health blessing, and, and, and give them every resource they need to do what you've called them to do. God, we support them, we encourage them, we love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo! That's good stuff. That's like, pull it together. Wow. So good. All right, y'all. If you uh, prayed that prayer to receive Jesus in your heart, and we want to help you on the journey that's ahead. And we can't help you, though, if we don't know about it. So we've set up an easy way for you to tell us. You simply text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. They'll throw that up on the screen for you here in a minute, because 
You probably didn't remember that the first time I said it, but we're not going to bug you. We really just honestly want to walk this out with you. We want to be there to support you. That's what we're here for. And you guys hear me say this every week, but it honestly never gets old. Thank you for your amazing generosity. We're all bringing our resources together, and it's enabling us to make this tremendous impact in our community and all around the world every single week, every single day. And it's just incredible what God's doing through our church. So if you're ready to give today and you're going to give with cash or check, you can raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. If you want to give online, you can do that anytime. You can do it today after church or anytime throughout the week. And how you do that is you just open the browser on your phone or your tablet, your computer, Type in the address bar, nolimits.fyi. You'll find a giving button there and it'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.